0: Hi there, and welcome to the first real episode of the Letterpress Digest podcast. Um, You've got a really fun episode ahead. You're going to hear from Jessica White about her experiences learning to print, including sneaking in to to her university print shop at midnight to print Letterpress for the very first time. Uh, It's such a fantastic story. It's a lot of fun. You're going to really enjoy that one. You'll also hear about her first press, the reasons why she and Cassinia Thomas started the Ladies of Letterpress organization, and how a well-known book publisher asked her to write a book, and she said no. Uh, She's got some really great stories, some really insightful tips as well. It's a lot of fun. There's also a little off-topic content uh, at the end there about taking flying lessons. You're going to really enjoy that too. Uh, Okay, here we go. Jessica, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I am so stoked to have you here. You are the co-founder of Ladies of Letterpress, an author of Letterpress Now. Um, I'm just really excited to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased that you've even invited me to be on this podcast. So I'm really excited to have a Nice chat with you about Letterpress this morning.
0: Absolutely, I am too. So, maybe you can kind of start and, and, and provide your background in Letterpress and how you how you got started and, and sort of where your inspiration, I guess, comes from or, or where, where it came from to, to get into mm-hmm. this, to this world.
1: Sure, well, let's see. When I first started doing uh, printing, Letterpress printing, I had never heard about it before. I guess like a lot of people um, who are introduced to it, something brand new, I was in grad school at University of Iowa. I was in the printmaking program there, and um, I was working a lot with other types of printmaking methods, doing, at that time, a lot of lithography, actually, um, on stone. And um, I was also working with uh, intaglio printing, you know, a lot of just traditional, standard fine art printmaking methods. Um, My artwork, for anyone who's not familiar with it, it tends to combine text with image, and they have this interaction where... Um, you know, what you, what you see and what you read has, a has a quality of, you know, it takes you to a different level when you read the text and, and it's mixed with the image that you see. And a friend of mine saw me struggling with getting text to print nicely. I tried a lot of different methods, you know, through intaglio and lithography just to add text to the images I was creating. So my friend, his name is Jeremy Chen. Um, I believe he's teaching at University of Illinois. I'm not really sure right now, but he pulled me aside one day and he said, "Okay, I've got to show you something, but I'm not supposed to. He was in the uh, program called uh, Center for the Book at the time. It is uh, at the time it was a certificate program. Right now it's a MFA program at University of Iowa where you can study all the uh, book technologies. And he said, well, I'm not really supposed to show you how to do this, but you need you need to know how to print letterpress because obviously you're struggling with text. <laughs> so he um, he got me in. It was like midnight one night after all the teachers gone and everybody else is oh. gone. Snug me into the <laughs> <shop>. <laughs> He showed me how to set one line of type. All I needed was one simple line of type to go with this one lithograph. And um, it was the neatest thing I'd ever seen. He was just like pulling these letters out. I remember it was 18 point BEMBO. I remember it was like so shiny and new and it was just so beautiful lining up one letter at a time. We locked it up and I only had three lithographs at that time and we printed all three of them. And by about one or two in the morning we were cleaned up and walking out and I was kind of elated. I was just like, "I've I've gotta come back and do some more of this. So it wasn't long after that I signed up for a real class and um, and I, it just kind of went from there. Um, so that also created some changes in my artwork too. So a lot of my images then moved from being printed as uh, intaglio or lithographic um, images. To relief images, so I was starting to do more mm-hmm. woodcuts and woodblocks and um, working with polymer plates and stuff like that. Things that mm-hmm. really were suitable for letterpress presses.
0: Right. Wow. That that's amazing. It's an amazing story. That's like a, a midnight adventure, right? Where you're sort of <laughs> sneaking in to learn letterpress. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> I know the secret is out. I hope it's too late for us to get in trouble. <laughs> I already got the degree. I'm done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is awesome that's a really cool story um well that's that's, that's 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 really fascinating you sort of you stumbled into letterpress i feel like a lot of people do with letterpress they kind of sort stumble in it in various ways um so so you signed up for the class you took it and from there you were just kind of hooked and, and...
1: yeah you know um one of the reasons i went to university of iowa is for the center for the book so even before i Um, learn about letterpress I was already a book binder book artist um, and I just um, Mm -hmm. you know started with when I was starting to make books they were were basically like blank books like a lot of people learn the basic like Coptic binding and Mm -hmm. um, I made a lot of sketchbooks for my friends and for myself and I started to um, this is before I started school. I basically b- got some books, kind of like you were saying that you did with Letterpress. I got some books. I sat down and I learned how to make some prints. And I decided I wanted to make books that had content instead of blank books. Um, and then I took some weekend workshops. And um, that's, I used a lot of the work that I made during those weekend workshops and during the nights and weekends in my studio um, to apply for a grad school at University of Iowa, and that's how I got into school there. And I was really excited about um, getting uh, my hands deeper into printmaking, but also just knowing that they had this thing called the Center for the Book. Um, my plan was to get more into making sculptural books, And kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dolph Smith and Dan Essig. They were big influences of mine. They make books that are like sculptures that have bookish elements in them. Um, And at that time, I was more of a sculptor, too. And that's actually what I studied as an undergrad with sculpture. I did a lot of iron casting and welding and blacksmithing. So I was really more of a three-dimensional kind of uh, artist to begin with. And um, once I got into letterpress, I started learning more about fine press and um, and just seeing more types of artist books that were um, really amazing in within the content of the pages. Mm-hmm. So I started looking less at, at the structure and at the sculptural three-dimensionality of it and thinking more about the content within the pages. So that's how my work changed while I was there too um at the center for the book. Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah. So you mentioned you you, you learned a lot from books and I have to have to mention now you you are the <laughs> author of a book called Letterpress Now and I have to say it's probably Aside from the one workshop we took with Baltimore Print Studios, it's probably the most influential in teaching my wife and I letterpress. Uh, what was uh, what was your inspiration for 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 making it and and sort of going down <laughs> that uh, that path?
1: Well, this is a funny little story. I'm so glad. Thanks, by the way, that um, for mentioning that. I'm so glad to hear that this is really helpful to you guys. Um, this was my main goal for this book: is for those people who have stumbled upon, you know, a little, little press at the flea market and they brought it home and they don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have just a simple book that had these simple little projects just to get somebody started from like day one. So, um, I'm glad to know that it's worked for you and I've heard from other people that it's been really helpful. Um, this book, um, (laughs) so I, uh, after school, I moved to Asheville in 2009 and one of the, the ways that I, um, try to make a living was to just do a lot of craft fairs. I, I entered into like every craft fair I could in this region around here in Asheville. And at the time, the publisher, Lark Krauss, was based here in Asheville. <clears throat> and one of the editors um, saw my booth at a local craft fair and she talked to me for a while. And I think she actually saw me a few times until um, one time she approached me about writing this book And at this time, I had just graduated, um, you know, within a few years, and I still kind of felt like a newbie myself. I still do, even now some days. I'm still Mm -hmm. learning all the time. Um, And so uh, originally she asked me to write this book, and I said no. (laughs) (laughs) like, oh, you're talking to the wrong person. I don't know enough about letterpress to write a book about it. That's crazy. And um, she pointed out that, well (laughs) – you are print You a printer you're making work and at the time I had already started teaching at Warren Wilson College too, um book arts there with a little a letterpress element she's like but you're teaching letterpress on a college level I think maybe you can do this <laughs> <laughs> so um her name was Kathleen and she she really she had to keep on my back about it she really had to convince me to do this because I really didn't feel like I was the right person um so she was a really good guide for me to help me um, create, um, I guess, uh, uh, sort of the uh, overall flow of the book. And mm-hmm. part of it is just the standard Lark Crafts uh, publishing style. If you're, if you've ever looked at any of their other craft books, um, if you just go to like a local bookstore or something, there's usually a whole row of Lark Crafts craft books, and they are set up in this particular way where um, they have. Uh, specific projects, and then the mm-hmm. steps that start you from step one with all the materials you need all the way down to the very last step so that you fo- can follow along and by the time you get to the last step you've got a finished product mm-hmm. so that's basically their their publishing method and then um I had to uh, really convince them actually to give me a few more pages at the front of the book because um, you know they had never published a lot of press printing book before, so they didn't even realize. How much other um, instruction is involved? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot to do. As you know now, there's a yep. lot to do before you walk up to a press, you know? Mm-hmm. So I needed, you know, a whole chapter on just setting type and a section on choosing the right paper and then some sections about, you know, I want to talk about make ready. And mm-hmm. there's just like so much to talk about when it comes to letterpress printing. And I had to pull some strings and really. Um, <laughs> really get on their case about you know giving me just a few more pages to to get all that information out there so yeah she finally talked me into it we set up a schedule it was um it was a really tight schedule they wanted it published in a year so I had a deadline every Friday for that year um and I ended up just kind of Sitting down and plugging away at it—that's basically what I focused on that year. Mm-hmm. Um, that and teaching. I didn't really get a whole lot of artwork or anything else done that year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, I have to say, it really is amazing. Um, I, I can't tell you—we probably read it cover to cover in, in various forms. And you know, just the other day, we were setting up part of our studio, and my wife pulls out the book to set up our California job case because there's a reference in there. And then. Um, You know, one of the things I I caught myself recently is I I experimented for the first time with linoleum blocks and and carving and I I totally just forgot about your book and how you covered it. And and so I, I just locked myself in a studio one evening and spent like three hours sketching out a design and carving it and i take it to my wife and she kind of gives me this aww oh, look and it's like it's backwards because i <laughs> oh, no. i totally just you know didn't think that I, you know what i'm looking at is going to be printed reverse so i kind of just i was like well that's okay whatever it's my first you know it, it'll be original and 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 i'll act like i did it on purpose but uh, I, and then of <laughs> course i went back to your book and i'm like oh yeah i should have used the tracing paper that would have been helpful <laughs>
1: Well, you're definitely not the first and not the last person to do it. Everybody does that. <laughs> I still even forget myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, well, yeah, it, it really is helpful. And, and for those listening, I, I would highly recommend uh, as, a, as an introduction to just getting started on any number of presses. Um, well, and speaking of that, what was your first printing press? What was the, the first press that you owned and you kind of called, called called your own?
1: Oh wow, let's see. That um I think that would probably be the show card. I have a large um show card press. I think the press bed is probably about um 18 by 20. It has a, a stand with uh, all the type. Uh, it came with a lot of type. Um so this is kind of funny. When I was at uh this is during grad school, I um, I started working on uh, large sheets of paper, large scrolls, basically, long sheets of paper um, in printing and with my drawings and stuff. And I didn't have enough studio space at the school, so I looked for um, a space outside of school in downtown Iowa City. And I found one um, posted up for rent, and so I met with a guy, and I go in there and believe it or not, this show card is sitting in the corner. And he's like, well, I it's just really heavy. I don't want to move it. I hope you don't mind. This, is, this was his studio and his mm-hmm. um, press. And he said, um, I hope you don't mind. I hope it's not in your way. If it's in your way, I can move it out. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be kidding. There's a letterpress press in the studio where I'm renting from you. And he said, like, yeah, by the way. If you know anybody who wants it, I'm trying to sell it.
0: <laughs> wow! <laughs> uh,
1: I, yeah, it was just like it was like this magical moment. I was like, okay, I'll take the studio and I'll take the press, and it's all set up and ready to go. Um, so that's how I got my first press. It just came with a studio that I, I rented, that just on a complete fluke. Wow! Um, and in that studio, I got you know I was a pretty broke college student, mm-hmm. um, but I had an eight foot folding table. And, um, a little, a little wooden, um, side table that I found on the side of the street. That's where I kept my papers and that press. That was basically (laughs) the whole
0: studio for a while. That's (laughs) amazing.
1: Um, soon after that though, I think it was only like maybe, a um, a couple months later. Oh yeah. It was just a few months later. I went to, um, the great Northern printers fair out in, uh, Oh, what's the name of that town? I think it's Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Mm -hmm. Oh, if you guys uh, haven't been there, you've got to go. It's uh, an amazing uh, printer's fair where people just come from all over the midwest and um there's a lot of swapping and selling and there's just like so much good information and the place where it's held is um printers hall at their old um what is it called the old thresher's museum i think is what it's called so um there's a group of guys there in mount pleasant who have been collecting printing presses and all kinds of letterpress printing paraphernalia and they filled up basically a space that's become almost like a, a museum and so, when you go to this printers fair, you see there's a swap meet. There's people here who are like buying and selling and trading, but then you get to see all this amazing equipment that they've collected, including like uh, linotypes, um, printing presses. i um, have got some uh, windmills, Heidelberg windmills, and uh, just anything you'd, you'd want to ever see, letterpress related. It's just amazing. Um, but I went there. I went there with a group of my friends from school. We all piled into a car and went down and There was a guy who was selling a little Kelsey five by eight and it was just so beautiful. It was one of the cool. old styles so it's got like the curvy arms, hmm. kind of like the sexy little press and um I just pulled together the last little bit of cash I had all my <laughs> grocery money. <laughs> And bought it and um, brought it home with me <laughs> so that so I'm, I'm kind of torn sometimes i feel like that was like a big moment for mm-hmm. me to really like shell out the money for this printing press and so there are times when i feel like that was really my first printing press even mm-hmm. though i already had the show card also in the studio space that i was using
0: right yeah we our, our first press was actually also a kelsey five by eight we we stumbled upon it at a Um, antique show, just totally haphazard. And and my wife has always kind of had passing interest in letterpress. And, you know, I thought being the good husband, you know, of course, we'll buy this, you know, little... Kelsey, five by eight, you know, we had no idea what we were getting. It didn't have all, it didn't have a chase. We had no idea. You know, we we bought it anyways and uh, Um, take it home and I start doing a lot of research online and I'm start getting overwhelmed and that ends up sitting in our house for probably a couple of years. (laughs) So that was was kind of our introduction, but it was overwhelming and it's kind of been a slow process for us, but, but that, that was our, our first press and we still, we still do have them. Um, well, you know, one of the things I wanted to to really talk about with you is is the the resurgence of letterpress. You know, a lot of people. There's so many people now who are interested, and and you know, it, it's fascinating because these presses are they're they're not made anymore. They're hundreds of years old, a hundred years old sometimes, and so yeah. nowadays, you know, they're in higher demand. People want to learn. People want more. That sort of tactile, or I guess the, the feeling, the paper. So, I mean, how's it? How's it been from your perspective? The, the resurgence, you know. I mean, it, what does it look like? I guess from from your eyes.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I was part of um, this. Uh, okay. Uh, the beginning of this wave of resurgence. So I've kind of like ridden the same wave as everybody else has. So, you know, I don't have the perspective of someone who's been doing this for 20 or 30 years, Mm -hmm. but you know, in the time that I've been doing it, um, for me, I I really see it as very closely tied in with the resurgence of crafts in general. Mm Um, and like you said, that, that need for a tactile kind of, uh, um, interaction and, you know, almost everybody I know, especially, um, um, well, really people of all ages that I can think of, I was going to say, especially the younger crowd, but, you know, in every age, almost everybody's picking up some sort of a hobby, like Mm -hmm. knitting or weaving or even like gardening and stuff and, um, woodworking and, I don't know. I just feel like there's this whole craft resurgence. And I feel like letterpress is just uh, one part of this much larger Mm -hmm. craft resurgence. For me, the, um, the uh, appeal for letterpress printing, you know, like I said, when I, when I first studied art and when I first got into art, I was a sculptor, so I'm definitely very hands-on and I love Mm -hmm. working with, um, three dimensionality and, um, when it comes to letterpress printing, there's this magic of taking these three-dimensional objects. And I just love um, everything from working with the blocks to um, carving into wood or linoleum. Like, everything has a very um, uh, three-dimensional material quality. I just love the touch wood and touch Mm -hmm. metal and all of that stuff. But then... You get to create these things that are beautiful, that can hang on a wall. And something that I really love about letterpress printing is the fact that it's, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the word right now, but uh, being able to duplicate um, just to mm-hmm. mass produce, basically. Yeah. So something that I, I appreciate about being able to spend all this time carving a block and setting up t- type and everything and then i get to the press and i can print out a hundred of them Mm -hmm. and suddenly i've created a work of art that can be affordable and even to the point where i can just give them away which feels great as opposed to making Mm -hmm. for me uh, a painting that i then have to sell for like a thousand dollars or something Mm -hmm. Um, i just love i just love being able to make work that's accessible like
0: that yeah yeah with your hands yeah it's fascinating so i work in (laughs) computer security and and my day job is I sometimes will write computer programs, I'm I'm writing code and stuff. And and a lot of times my efforts are focused on sort of efficiency and making things faster. And well, I can program something to do that faster than we can do it by hand. And something so magical about letterpress, there is nothing that you can do to speed up that process. You know, you, <laughs> there are certain things that you have to do. And it, it's almost like this anti-thesis to my day job. Uh, (laughs) thesis is the right word but it it, it's it forces me to slow down and to be very sort of hands-on and and think about what i'm doing and i just it's so uh, so therapeutic in many ways you know
1: yeah yeah i really noticed at least for me it's just the act of setting type is yeah it becomes kind of meditative and it makes every word become um just really important. It's almost like everything suddenly becomes poetry because you're (laughs) carefully creating each word. Um, so you have to really think about, uh, you know, what you're doing and it could be, um, it could be for some people just very meditative, like it is for you and I to, to sit down and do this slowly. But I've noticed when I, when I teach, there are definitely like the two kinds of people in the world, I guess, the people who love doing this. And then I see a lot of people who just get really frustrated and they're like, oh, this is driving me crazy. Uh, Yeah,
0: absolutely. I would say I I would say I probably teeter on that line. I love the process of letterpress, but man, setting doing things like setting type is is still frustrating for me because uh, we only have, I guess, three, maybe three or four. Uh, sets of type but it you know I I can't read backwards and I'm trying to think okay does this word go this way this way <laughs> or this letter and then I try to you know I would get them all together and then I print it and I'm like oh you know this is backwards and then I got to reset <laughs> it and I can't it's it's still really uh really quite tedious but it but it sort of plays into the whole process and I think it's probably teaching me some patience <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all could use a little lesson in slowing down, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I I need to make more time to do stuff like that, I think, sometimes. And I think this is something that I've started doing, actually. So when I first started um, working with letterpress, a, a lot of my artwork, I made drawings and created polymer plates and mm-hmm. I printed some polymer plates. And for a while, you know, it seemed easier also because I have, you know, unlimited supply of type, Mm -hmm. typefaces and fonts that I can choose on my computer. So I could just set whatever I wanted and send off from my polymer plate. And in the last couple of years, I've tried to move away from polymer plates to force myself into that place where I carve more with uh, wood blocks and I'm working on doing wood engravings. And I think that for me, it's almost like part of my little... Um, mental health system mm-hmm. to force myself to slow down um, and I have the same thing I don't have a large space so I don't really have a huge selection of type I have one small type case that holds two-thirds type cases so it's not even like a full California job case mm-hmm. and I try to make what I have work for what I'm doing right. so um so you know I, my work It has evolved based on, you know, the space that I'm in, the equipment that I have, Mm -hmm. and the fact that I've just decided that I'm going to make myself slow down for a while. And so I'm trying to to use polymer plates less at this point because of that.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, so let's talk about technology, uh, I guess, a little bit. Nowadays, you know, people don't really learn… Through uh, apprenticeships, right? We we have that. That's how the the trade was previously learned and, and taught. But nowadays we have the internet and we have you know things like podcasts. And uh, how how has that affected? Letterpress? I mean, is it made it more approachable or less? I know for us, it was very difficult starting out trying to parse through all the forums and what to use, what not to use. And then, you know, we had this amazing revelation when we bought the Letterpress Now book like, oh, it's not that complicated. Is <laughs> but, you know it's still very difficult i think for people to learn it's not something you can kind of go to the craft store buy a couple things and be ready to go there's so many things to think about like setup and ink and you know, so I mean, what does it look like from your perspective
1: yeah so that was something that we actually talked about um when when i was writing the book i talked to my um editor a lot about that Um, something that Lark Crafts really wants to do is create these books that are accessible to just the average person and they kind of she she had to first talk me into writing the book but she also had to talk her publisher into publishing the book because they balked a little bit at creating a book that relies on this kind of equipment that seems so unaccessible Mm -hmm. Um, and so we focused on um, some of the simplest things like if you have a Kelsey Press just a few um, pieces of furniture, even some blocks of wood, one linoleum block, and one cutting tool, you are ready to print, basically. Mm -hmm. Just the basic materials. Um, I I think that in some ways there is so much information out there that there's almost like no excuse to not be able to do this, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like for many things it's almost like an information overload like you're saying so you start looking things up and then you 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 just get I get this at least just really overwhelmed by just so much information Mm -hmm. and um, I really think that um, I got lucky that I was able to just take a class while I was at a university and it was just laid out for me you know like all these little projects that built up on um, uh, some of the simpler skills and the fundamentals of just basic setting, setting type. And then we just got more and more complex to the point where we were printing like entire books. Mm-hmm. Um, If people out there want to learn how to print and they don't have that kind of luxury to be in a school I would say first thing is to go try to find a workshop that's nearby Mm -hmm. Um, Something that's nice about this letterpress resurgence I've noticed that there are a lot of print shops that are popping up all over the country now That almost everyone should be within driving distance almost I would think Mm -hmm. to a print shop that um, offers weekend classes and so I would suggest just jumping in and taking a weekend class. And even if you don't have the equipment yet, go and do it first. And then I think that once you do a little bit of printing, you'll get an idea of what you like best about printing. And that actually will guide you to the right equipment that you need. Not everybody needs the $10,000 Vandercook press <laughs> to make they want to make. Yeah. So um you know try your hand in it there are a lot of these little print shops um I know like uh, in my area there's actual bookworks that teaches weekend print shops and week long uh print workshops um there are also schools like Penland or the um John C Campbell Folk School that will offer a week long or two week kind of immersive classes where you go and you stay on campus and you eat and you just sort of live in um in this craft atmosphere um those are really great ways to get started i think um and of course like you know get my book get uh, all the other books there are plenty of really good books out there um something that i always say is don't just stick to like one person or one book like the best way to learn this is to take Many workshops from many different people. Like try to learn from as many different people as you can and you'll get all different kinds of information because everybody has really a a different approach to what they do and Mm -hmm. um, different background that leads up to how they do the things they do it. You know, it's almost like every printer has their own way of doing things.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that's funny. We, we the aside from your book, that we the, the probably the biggest thing that contributed to our education, and and our education is still ongoing. Um, but we, we took a, a, a workshop from Baltimore Print Studios up in in Baltimore, Kyle Van Horn, and it was amazing. We, and that's where we actually fell in love with Vandercooks. You talk about um, these days how expensive they are. He's got three in his studio and it was it, having printed on that and it's compared to a uh, uh Chandler price a by 12 before that the, the plan presses are amazing but you know the the cylinder proof press just having that sort of much more um, i guess precision uh, in in the printing was was really enjoyable but that's something that's also fascinating: vander cook presses in and of themselves that's almost uh, those type that that category of press could almost tell the story of letter press from a sort of capital capitalistic society, right? Where those presses in the 70s I think were, were starting to go away and people were getting rid of them, selling them for yeah. you know, very little and nowadays they are in getting high demand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are they are in high demand and sort of the premier uh, I guess you could argue premier letterpress um press and it is just yeah. fascinating. <laughs>
1: It's the Bentley, right? Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, and I think partly it's just because there were so many that were um, tossed out for scraps and the fact that they're not being made anymore. So they're just becoming mm-hmm. rare. So, um, yeah, if you can get your hands on one, use it and clean it up and um, take good care of it for sure. <laughs> but like I said, you know, I think um, this is something that uh, that has changed in my personal work over over the past few years, um, I've come to appreciate my little show card uh, even mm-hmm. more now because there's something so um, – I-, I think it kind of goes back to that need for slowing down mm-hmm. and ha- finding some more uh, like a quiet simplicity in my life. A part of that might be the fact that I just had a baby three years <laughs> ago. We talked about this earlier yeah. before the interview started. But you know, once you have a baby, things start to get a little bit wild and crazy, and you <laughs> have, you know, very limited amount of time, and you have to be very selective, and um about how you spend every minute of your of your day. And uh, when I come to the studio having um, this peace and quiet has come to make a big difference to me. So that is part of what I really love about um, getting into wood engraving now and um, just um, getting into that meditative zone. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that there are days when I just proof print on my show card and it's so nice to just put a brayer on it and put some ink down and then go shoof shoof across and I've got a print. <laughs> and there's something so simple about doing that without having to set up the Vandercook, the rollers running, the mm-hmm. motors running, you know. And um, so I, I think there are different – there are definitely different um, – Needs that these different presses satisfy mm-hmm. so like you said there's so much precision that you can get from a vander cook or a flatbed cylinder press You know what I have is a challenge. Uh, so it's like a vander cook okay. um, and so there are um, Definitely times when I need that I want the precision. I really want that perfect. Uh, I personally like the kiss impression mm-hmm. so I, I like to be able to get that and um, um, Get very clean nice quick, um, beautiful, um, really precise printing. It's so wonderful. But then I um, worked on this one print recently. It was, um, oh, it was for, uh, it was actually a, a few years ago. It was a, a quote from a Leonard Cohen song uh, about the cracks. Um, There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And that's when I decided that I needed to just let things go a little bit and let things be a little bit imperfect. Mm -hmm. And I got a bunch of um, broken and missized type and lined it up on my show card. And I printed this little wood block and I let the mistakes kind of be. And it was um, a little bit of a release for me because Mm -hmm. I'm so precise and tight usually. (laughs) really enjoy just letting
0: go yeah that's awesome i think we could probably all as you said earlier benefit from a a little bit of that um we'll talk a little bit more about your wood carving and and linoleum right i mean do you now prefer wood carving over sort of carving linoleum at i i know i told you earlier i I tried my first hand at linoleum and it didn't go so well
1: yeah oh yeah so um I start you know a lot of us start carving with linoleum this is a good uh like a beginning kind of uh type of uh block printing and there are a lot of people who make entire careers out of linoleum can do a lot from linoleum printing I moved to wood because I just like the feel of these kinds of natural materials like I said I just like to touch metal I like to touch wood I like the sound of it scratching as I cut with my knives um and then I started uh, doing wood engraving, which is actually a much tighter type of relief carving where you um, engrave with these tools that aren't gouges, but they're they're almost like they scratch into the end grain of a piece of really hardwood, like a maple or boxwood, and um, you can get more precise um, images from that. And this is how a lot of like uh, the old um, Images were printed in letterpress. They were all wood engraves. Like if you look at an mm-hmm. old like Sears and Roebuck catalog or something mm-hmm. all of the images of all the items in that was printed from engraved wood blocks oh. and um, Yeah, so you can get really tight uh, really uh, tight lines and fine details with this kind of printing um, Just recently though uh, I'm not sure when it came about, but I just noticed even within maybe the last six months, I've started having some trouble with my wrist. I think I'm getting some carpal tunnel or something like that. And I switched to a new kind of linoleum that I found called, I'm gonna um, butcher this. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, (laughs) but I call it Gomuban, G-O-M-U-B-A-N. I get it from McLean's printmaking, and it's like a different kind of a linoleum that they import from japan that's really nice and soft and easy to cut there's no stress on my arms or wrist at all but it holds a really nice fine line and i'm really in love with this now it's not type high so i do have Mm -hmm. to mount it on um i've been mounting mine on mdf so i just cut the mdf Mm -hmm. to size and then i mount it and then i think once it's mounted to mdf that is basically type high i might have to lift it up a little bit more i can't remember now but that's actually uh, at least pretty close to type So I've really switched to either using this linoleum or um, I continue to do engravings on the end grain because there's really nothing that compares to the, the end grain of the wood. There is something called resin grave that is a, um, a, a resin-based, like a cheaper alternative to wood. But um, mm-hmm. there's just something about the feel of the wood that I really love. I just can't get over that. I like to see the curve of the wood come up and I like the way it sounds. I just like the way it feels. So I've been sticking to that for the wood engraving so far. And back to what we were saying about, you know, um, constantly learning. I am so excited that I'm actually taking a wood engraving class in September. It's funny because I actually do this for a living. I I make and sell wood engravings. But like I said, I'm still always learning too. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking a wood engraving class in September. I'm going to go spend a week at the Campbell Folk School um, learning from Jim Horton, who teaches wood engraving all over the country. So I am super excited about what I'm going to learn there.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That That sounds like it'll be really amazing. Well, so how do you how do you actually mount the linoleum to the MDF? Is that just like a, some kind of glue? or?
1: Oh, you know what? I use the same um, adhesive backing that uh, they use on photopolymer plates. Oh, so I ordered okay. my plates from Boxcar Press, and they also sell um, blank plates, and they also sell the adhesive backing. So you can just buy sheets mm. of adhesive backing. So that's really great because it's so thin, it's super sticky, and it's nice and even. Mm -hmm. So if you do decide and start to um, use glue or something like that, you have to make sure it's a very, very smooth layer of glue. I did this one time with um, a different – I don't remember what material it was. I've printed with all kinds of different things, but maybe it was like a thin linoleum. And I think I was just a little bit lazy, and I just squeezed some glue down on a block and smashed the linoleum down. Mm -hmm. And then I printed, and you could see – the image of the glue oh. line coming through <laughs> and so I mean um, you get such precise printing from this stuff yeah uh, if you glue or any other materials you know nice. just make sure it's really smooth
0: <laughs> okay okay wow that's funny to talk about learning the hard way there right I had no idea and and I'm guessing oh. for the MDF are you using like three quarter inch MDF is that the yes yeah. yes okay okay
1: yeah the go move Bond is pretty thin it's it's um quarter inch or less
0: Okay. So that yeah, yeah, so point I guess point seven five plus the, the less than a quarter inch brings it close to point nine one eight the type high.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, that would bring it all the way up to one inch. So it might be um uh, it might be it's probably less than a quarter inch thick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So
1: that'll bring it up to type high or at least close.
0: Cool. So okay, I wanna shift gears a little bit and talk about ladies of Letterpress. You are yeah. the co founder uh, and um, I guess it's been around for what, you guys, maybe ten, 10 years or so now?
1: Oh, wow. Has it been that long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, yeah. Let's see. I met Ksenia in – this is while I was still in school. When we met, we were at um, the Oakno Book Fest in Newcastle, Delaware, And this was probably 2008, I think, 2007 or 2008. And that's when Cassini and I first started talking about um, the idea of of, uh, an organization of women printers. And we emailed each other... Um, but I was still in school, and I, I remember uh, not wanting to start this because I was so busy already. We created the first Ladies of Letter Press website. Yeah, it must have been in two thousand, early 2009. It might have been late 2008 when we um, put it up and let it go live, and we basically just invited a bunch of our friends to mm-hmm. come and test it out. I guess it was in uh, I'm not super techie, but I guess it was like in beta mode or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we just wanted a few friends to test it out. I think we had tw- like 20 <sighs> friends on there and we asked them to just try it. And this was at the site that it currently is now. It was a, um, social, a social media kind of site where people can interact with each other. And that's what the ladies, of letter press site is now. Ladies, um, where you can create your own page and, um, Put down a little information about yourself, but it's great for sharing videos and photos. There's a forum for asking questions um, and um, a little classified section. There's a part where you can hire a printer if you're looking for someone to print for you. There's a listing for um places where you can go get uh the resources that you need, um, from books to workshops. Mm-hmm. So it started then with our, our little group of handful of friends, and when I when I finally graduated from school, I decided to put a lot more time into it, and we both just said, okay, let's go live, let's go big. Mm-hmm. And I remember, <laughs> I remember we were thinking, well, I don't know if was thinking this too, but I was thinking that we were, I was hoping for maybe about 300 mm-hmm. members, I thought that would probably be... <laughs> Success. <laughs> Yeah. that right. I felt like that would be a good success. And I think it was less than a year. It was probably like six months and we passed 300. And I think she and I were both just like blown away because at the time, you know, I just thought that there was a handful of people doing letterpress. Like I had no idea it was as big mm-hmm. as it really was. And it just grew and grew and grew. Right now we're at, um, about 2,400, like 2,000, over 2,400 members. Wow. Uh, still growing, people are joining up every day. And um, the main reason that we wanted to create this was because um, at that time there was just uh, Briar Press, which is also another great site for connecting with other printers. Um, they also have a good a classified section and a forum mm-hmm. briarpress.com um but that gets a little that gets a little daunting and i remember and i'm not sure what was in the air at the time but i felt like there was some vitriol at that site for some reason for a lot of new people especially who would come on and ask questions that um would then they would be kind of shot down as like dumb questions or something mm-hmm. and it really shocked both of us as new letterpress printers and we just decided that we wanted to create a space that was more open and welcoming and just created this atmosphere of sharing and especially for women we both notice that there are a lot of women who are getting into letterpress printing and um and young women who are starting businesses so it wasn't just the printing questions but you know questions about and discussions about running a business Mm -hmm. and you know there were some questions that might be a little bit difficult for some women to bring up in a totally open forum um like you know is it safe for me to nurse my baby and uh, still set type you know things that, um, is there any danger for me to be at my printing press while I'm pregnant stuff like that mm. so um, we just wanted to make sure that there was a like a safe space for for women to go and the thing is we didn't want it to just be limited to women everyone is was welcome and is now um, but we just want to let anybody know that there are going to be you know some mm-hmm. very specific <laughs> women discussions here
0: oh <laughs> well, yeah that's awesome and, and I, I think it was I think it's really impactful to kind of give permission uh, almost to women to explore letterpress because it you know historically I think the press room was almost a, a male-dominated field and as I think almost press... it definitely was oh, yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true right and, and so as things have kind of shifted you know you've probably got the old guard that that sees letterpress printing as a man's kind of thing. And, and I, it's just amazing that you guys kind of uh, that ladies of letterpress kind of gives permission, you know, and, and it's just an amazing sort of empowering organization that, that um, I think is really influential in, you know, I, I've seen so many in different letterpress shops. I've gone little, you know, ladies of letterpress posters and you guys is um, the, uh, what's the thing you wear to keep ink off, um uh, can think of it now.
1: The apron. Yeah, the
0: apron. You guys, have <laughs> so, so many aprons from the conferences and stuff. Is oh that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah.
1: You it, know, it's... I just want to say something about this old guard too. You know, when I was uh, learning letterpress printing, I was out in the Midwest, which is a really great place for for letterpress printing and learning about letterpress. Um, so yeah, definitely there was sort of this elbowing our way into this this sort of boys' club.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and uh, I realized that I had to really prove myself to what I call sort of like the old the old guys in letterpress. There are a lot of older men out there who have been doing this for their entire lives. Um, and the thing is, uh, you know, uh, there are so many of them that have so much information to share and just love to teach people and want to share it and i've learned a lot from these guys and i really appreciate um i really appreciate when they're willing to spend their time with younger people to show and and to teach what what they've known from from being commercial printers and Mm -hmm. hobbyist printers for 50 years um so it's not, it hasn't always been like a fight or a struggle, but sure. it, you know, there's a little bit of, of both going on, but I would definitely recommend, you know, finding that old dude in your neighborhood <laughs> or <laughs> in your town mm-hmm. who has an old press that he's been tinkering on for 60 years and, and just, you know, try to pick his brain because there's going to be just a wealth of information that, um, that definitely needs to be preserved,
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And so many stories, too. So many fascinating uh, stories that are really interesting. Well, so, uh, ladies of Letterpress, you guys have an annual conference. uh, And I I think, if I'm not mistaken, you have one upcoming quite soon, right?
1: Yeah, there's one coming up. It's going to be in St. Louis, September 28th to October 1st. Um, It's going to be full of um, workshops. There's going to be panels. There's going to be a... um, a filming of the new uh letterpress film letter uh pressing on
0: have you seen that yet by the way i i'm so- yeah
1: no i haven't
0: oh man i'm so jealous i won't be able to make it to that conference but i i i've seen the trailers probably countless times and i'm so uh, anxious for it to show up <laughs> on my netflix queue or, or, or something
1: me too or somewhere nearby like i just yeah. want them to know some i think the closest they came to me was um when they showed it at a uh, hatch show print recently in nashville mm. but that's still like a Ten hour, eight or ten hour drive for me, so yeah. I, was, I thought about it, but I was like, no, I don't think I can. <laughs>
0: so
1: I hope to come a little closer, or yeah, um, make it available online somewhere so we can stream it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to find out more about this um, uh, conference, they can go to Letterpress www co and um, registration is still open. There's an event schedule there. There's also going to be a printers market on Sunday. Uh, where people get to show off their work and there's also going to be like swaps of um, printing equipment. It's just basically, you know, like all things letterpress mm-hmm. all in four days.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I also saw you get, You guys are going to have numerous workshops, right? That, that all sorts of, uh, from the beginner to the, the expert learning all different types of techniques is, is going to be, I think, really uh, a really valuable time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's workshops for, um, printing itself, but then we also try to, um, include things that are outside, uh, that sort of like there's like this whole revolving world around letterpress. So there's going to be a, um, uh, book binding workshop, and there's going to be, um, pochoir, which is like stenciling. So there's like, uh, specific letterpress workshops, and then like different ways of, uh, of, Uh, working with letterpress is is just a a part of your craft, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right, there's going to be stuff for beginners and also stuff for um, professionals and mid-career, so a little of everything.
0: Yeah, so I have a, a bit one one thing I want to ask you that's a bit off letterpress topic. I, uh, as I was reading your website, uh, I noticed you have half of a pilot's license, and I think that is amazing because I probably have a quarter of a pilot's license. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I always wonder if anybody raised the end of that paragraph.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I caught that and I just chuckled. Uh, I I I I thought learning to to fly would be kind of like the video games, you know, it'd be really simple and you can kind of just pull the joystick up and go left, right, left, right. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it was way more complicated than I ever anticipated. And I, I think I kind of figured out it wasn't for me when I almost hit the the sort of the windsock uh, pole, you know, because I was <laughs> taking off. I was like, this is this is this is almost comical, but kind of a real life like i'm actually flying a plane and it's probably not safe
1: (laughs) that's so funny i actually had the opposite reaction like i had no idea what i was getting into um i i um i got a present when i turned i think i was i turned 20 or 21 my boyfriend at the time bought me a um a skydiving session and so that's how I celebrated that birthday, by jumping out of an airplane. Hmm. And and, I, and while I was up in the airplane, I kept watching the pilot the whole time. I was excited about jumping out, too. But that was what got me interested. I was like, you know what? I kind of want to be the one flying the plane. That looks like fun. <laughs> so I decided to sign up for some flying lessons. And it, I thought it was easier than I expected. The The most fun day, which maybe might not be fun for a lot of people, but um, – Uh, on one of the lessons was uh, my instructor turned off the engines. He's like, all right, today Mm -hmm. we're going to learn how to land the plane with no engines running. And he turned it off. And so we're just like gliding in the air and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening.
0: (laughs) You're (laughs) in a plane, the engine's off.
1: Yeah. He showed me how to do it. I was like, I can land a plane with no engines. This is amazing. Yeah. I wish I could have finished it. I actually got laid off from my job at the time as I was halfway through. And that's why I stopped taking my flying lessons. But mm-hmm. maybe one day I'll get back to it. Yeah. It was fun <laughs> absolutely
0: it is it's it, it yeah it, 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 it for me it was kind of a a summer you know i had saved up all this money and it was like right before my senior year in college and i'm like what am i saving this money for when i just just spending <laughs> so i i took flying lessons i got scuba diving gear i just kind of went crazy and oh. then you know the next year i was, had all these needs for money and I was getting married and i'm like what did i do that for you know <laughs> oh, but it was all worth it you got it yeah. know.
1: It was yeah, all worth it, right?
0: Absolutely, I got some fun. I did the same
1: thing. I had a little bit of money saved up, and I took um, sailing lessons too. This is when I was in grad school. Um, oh, it was through at the university, I think. Um, and I had so much fun, and I got the same same thing halfway through the sailing certificate. And then we got like that flood of the century happened back in what was it? Two thousand? It was two thousand nine. Flood oh, of the century. Yeah. The entire um, lake where I was taking these sailing lessons so flooded and completely just, like, they shut it all down. And so that's where I stopped my sailing lessons.
0: Wow. That's fun, though. I mean, all of these uh, side hobbies in addition to letterpress and art. uh,
1: Oh, man. I wish. Uh. I wish. All that has been put aside for now. My side hobby is my (laughs) three-year-old son now. So
0: That's (laughs) amazing.
1: And that's what I do at my time off now. Yeah. run around with him
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic well, Jessica, thank you so much for for taking the time uh, I, I know uh, people listening will find this immensely valuable both from an instructional and just a uh, just an enjoyment perspective you're uh you've got quite a, a, I guess contribution to Letterpress and and the current community, so thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Well, I really appreciate it. I enjoy the call and um I hope you enjoy your adventures in letterpress printing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Wow. What a great first episode. That was a lot of fun. I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, As I'm sure you're aware, probably aware, this podcast is quite new. This is our very first episode. If you would be so kind, please leave a review in iTunes and subscribe. It actually helps others find the podcast, find the show. Uh, But if that's not your thing, totally fine. Please just tell another printer. uh, Tell another Letterpress enthusiast about the show. uh, Get them excited as well. For links and references to a lot of the topics we covered um, during the the talk, uh, you can visit the website, letterpressdigest.com slash one. That's the number one, the numeral one. So letterpressdigest.com forward slash one. That'll take you to the the page with all of the references and links and and other content that we talked about during the episode. There's also an email list where you can sign up uh, to hear more. I'm working on some fun content for the blog. uh, So that will be there as well eventually. And just in case you live nearby or like road trips, the Midwest and Great Northern Printers Fair is coming up September 13th through the 16th in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. I mentioned that one because that's the one Jessica referenced when she got her first Kelsey Tabletop Press. And it's so so near to our first episode. So I wanted to make sure you guys were aware. Um, Well, I, I hope you really enjoyed it. Remember, my end goal here is to just talk about all things letterpress and learn a thing or two uh, while we're at it. If you have feedback or know of people I should interview, uh drop me a line on the website or you can find me on social media too at letterpress digest and until next time.